Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by my colleague, Andrea Messelt. Andrea is a pastoral intern here at Hope. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Ben. It's good to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you back on. Today we're going to be reading about a couple of different stories in Mark. We're going to read from the 8th and ninth chapter, some selected verses there as we continue this journey through the gospel of Mark and Mark's telling of, of who Jesus is and uh, this important picture of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, a distinct one in a lot of ways. Uh, every gospel gives us a, a unique picture. And so today we're going to be looking at some really important verses and Part of this uh, is this moment where, where Peter wants to set up a tent and camp out. Andrea, tell us about your life camping experiences. <laughs> are they many and varied? There, are, there are many, and they are varied. I uh, actually, I'm, I'm gonna go way back. Um, some of my first camping experiences were going to Bible camp, mm-hmm. and we always did uh, an out camp night where we would canoe across the lake. And I remember I was probably in fifth grade and there were boys and girls we would canoe across, but we stayed in separate spots. And it was the time in the summer where all these little tiny frogs were hopping around and, and the boys uh-huh. grabbed these little frogs and did mean things to them and threw them in our tent. It was... That sounds, disgusting. That sounds so, lovely. Yeah. So that was my intro to camping. And yes, it's been um, wild and varied since then. How about you? You know, I I have this theory that if you ever want it to rain, just Go set camping. up a tent. Yes. Because I've never, I don't think I've ever set up a tent and not had it rain. Maybe there'd been like a night out of two where it didn't. Uh, I One time my wife and I went camping and we... I don't know why we did this, but we, there was this great campsite in the middle of this state park, but you had to walk there. So we carried everything in mm-hmm. and I bought like a, you know, a bundle of wood and it was like two miles. I carried this bundle <laughs> of wood. We finally got there and we had our dog. And so we had this tiny little tent, me, her, and our, one of our golden retrievers and we're sleeping in this tent and that night it just poured and it soaked through every like my sleeping bag. I had to wring it out, Ooh. and it was uh, it was not as lovely as it seemed in my mind. And have you gone camping since then? I don't think I have, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's that bad. Should get back on the horse, <laughs> pitch a tent. <laughs> it's nice to be outside, but it's also nice to be inside it's when true. it's raining. It's true. A good night's sleep is too valuable in my house. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> That's really good. I had a coworker once who, she, she was really confused because she thought, well, I don't want to go camping because you can't bring a toaster. <laughs> Couldn't do that. Was, that was the bugaboo for her. Like, she had to have her toaster. Anyway. Well, you know, they, ha- they have those metal clamps that you can kind of, like, use and yeah, yeah, and you make all know. sorts of things oh, in those yeah, hot pockets. Oh, yeah, you can make pizza in them. <laughs> yes. That's really good. Well, now I want to go camping. <laughs> I know. Okay. We're going to read from Mark chapter 8. Verses 31 through chapter 9, verse 13. 
He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And then he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, When they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Okay, lots going on there. Mm-hmm. What, what do you notice? What sticks out to you? What questions do you have as you, as you read that or hear it read? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing that um, sticks out to me is just how very clear Jesus is in, in peeling back the layers sure. of suffering that he's going to experience. And, you know, we were talking before this that we've been talking about authority and we've been talking about um, suffering, uh, but 
I think the disciples are beginning to understand a little bit about this authority uh, and the suffering they're not quite on board with yet, evidenced by Peter's rebuking of Jesus. So yeah, so Jesus clearly tells them who he is and what must happen, and and they don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. or at least Peter doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like actually one of the biggest questions that this gospel has been asking and and people have been asking this throughout the gospel is who is Jesus? Who is this person, right? There's there's all these scenes where the the leaders will look at him and say who is this man? And it's almost like they're asking who does he think he is? But really what they're asking is who is he? And the people who know who he is are usually the the demons. They mm-hmm. you know, I know who you are, they say. Um God clearly proclaims who this is at the baptism of Jesus. He says, this is my son. Mm -hmm. Um, We see it again in the transfiguration. But this question of who is Jesus, and and you know what? I wonder if that is a question that all of us aren't constantly wrestling with Mm -hmm. ourselves. Who is this Jesus that we read about, that we hear about when we're in church, that that people have opinions about? Mm -hmm. But who is he really? And what does that mean for my life? I feel like that's such an important question that all of us should wrestle with. What else? Mm-hmm. What questions come up t- for you as you as you read this? Yeah, you know, um, I think one question, you know, per, just a personal kind of an more of an application question. You know, when when Jesus in verse thirty three, he says. Um, you know, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And it just makes me think, where in my life um, do I have just merely human concerns and I'm not concerned about the things of God? Hmm. Yeah. I, this is going to sound really strange, but... Chapter 9, verse 3, his clothes became dazzling whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. This is just a really practical first century question. Were people bleaching their clothes back then? They must have been. I had imagined that that was a modern invention, but I guess not. So I learned something there um, that that would be the image that they would use. Yeah, yeah. A shout out to all the launderers out there, I yeah, guess. Big yeah. shout out. <laughs> the other thing that sticks out to me is verse 32 of chapter 8. says he spoke plainly mm-hmm. about this. And I think, you know, so often when we approach scripture, we, we see it as really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. Or we make it really, really complicated. But I think the story is pretty simple and it's told rather plainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, yes, there are ins and outs and big questions and complications, but the story itself of a God who loves the world enough that he would send his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life is simple. Mm-hmm. Very complex. Yeah. But simple Yeah. and plain. And Jesus tells it to us plain, and, and how often am I the one who I hear it plainly and I resist because I don't like it. Right. 
Yeah, I think that too. And, you know, Peter obviously doesn't like what he hears from Jesus and who would want to hear that, you know, that, that, you know, essentially kind of his best friend or the, you know, the, and the person who's just pouring into his life is saying, I'm, it's very clear. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to, you know, be rejected. The chief priests, the, everybody that I'm going to be killed and I will rise again. And, and it's just kind of like they have their um, fingers stuffed in their ears and they're kind of saying, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear it, you know? Um, and so often we, I think we, we look for direction and maybe we don't like what we hear, but then I think that kind of leads into Jesus um, talking about, you know, the way of the cross is the heading in my Bible and, and what it looks like to deny yourself, to deny, you know, the way you think things are supposed to be the way that you think they're supposed to play out or what you're even supposed to do with your life or all the questions that we walk around with, you know, Mm -hmm. and to try to have that, um, perspective or that have the concerns of God at the forefront. So this really, it comes to us, the reading that we did in two chunks, basically. Mm -hmm. We've got Mm -hmm. what your Bible calls, what did you say the heading was? The way of the cross. The way of the cross. Mm -hmm. And here I have Jesus predicts his death. Yep. Then we have the transfiguration. Mm -hmm. So let's maybe take those one at a time. So there's this first chunk where Jesus does predict his Mm -hmm. death. And and it's this sort of unveiling uh, another layer of who he is. So what happens is there... They're out for a walk. Well, actually, let's go back before that because Jesus is walking with his disciples and and they're walking out into some villages and he looks at them and he says, who do people say that I am? And then they answer. They say, well, some people say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say the prophets. And then he asks this really important question. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And uh, Peter answers, you are the Christ, uh, which is the Messiah, which means the anointed one. Mm-hmm. And Jesus kind of confirms this by by saying, you know, don't tell anyone this, which we've talked about that at length uh, in this podcast, as we've talked about Mark, is Jesus is, is sort of keeping the secret until the right time, mm-hmm. until the right unveiling. Um, also, there's some practical implications, too, if everybody hears about him. He gets to this point where he's sitting in a boat preaching because he can't even be on land because there's right. so many people. So that's part of it too. But but then it's it's that kind of sets up this next passage. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. Mm-hmm. Jesus then kind of confirms that. And then he tells them basically what that means. Mm-hmm. That it's not to be the, the king who reigns on the throne with power and with... Um, you know, who's going to come and strike down all the evil immediately Mm -hmm. in the world. But he says that he's going to be killed. And after three days, he's going to rise again. I can't imagine what they were thinking. Right. Yeah. It must have been such a strange thing. First of all, personally, like you brought up, personally, that they would have to lose him. Yeah. But then also their idea of what it meant or a Messiah to come, mm-hmm. a Messiah who would come and restore and rebuild. And um, how would you do that by dying? Yeah. And I think from where we're sitting, we realize he's he's getting at a deeper problem, this problem of sin. 
Yeah, it's not a Band-Aid fix, right? you know, which would be the earthly king would come and he would reign for, you know, 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the problem would still be there when he was all done and somebody yeah. else took over. Yeah. This is more of a scab. A scab gets into the wound and heals from the inside. Yeah. Hmm. So they don't like what they hear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about Jesus saying you don't have the things of, of God in mind, mm-hmm. but you have the the things of of men. Which who can blame them? You know, it's like what a perspective shift for them. And he has to kind of circle back to this prediction of his death over and over again, you know, because this is like the first unveiling of it. And then, you know, they move on and then he'll unveil it again in other mm-hmm. gospel accounts, you know, and um so it is a slow process. It's kind of like he's planting the seed of this is, these are the things that are going to happen. But he's very clear from the beginning of what's going to happen. Yeah, and I'll just be blatantly honest with everyone who's listening. When I read that, when he says rebuke, he rebuked Peter, mm-hmm. he might as well just say he rebuked Ben uh-huh. and said, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God, but the mm-hmm. things of men. And I think, of you know, what are the things of God? love and peace and Mm -hmm. comfort and joy and caring for other people and forgiveness and new life and Mm -hmm. second chances and healing. And, and so often, uh, the things that are on my mind are me, myself and I, um, you know, the other idols of my own life, Mm -hmm. which sometimes even good things become idols, things like our families and, um, and so I hear those words, and and hopefully I'll hear them enough in my life that it will turn me to realize mm-hmm. where to yep. place my attention. Yeah. So then he, you know, okay, so we've talked about authority and suffering. Mm-hmm. Authority is this, you know, people wondering, how can Jesus do these things? He calms storms. He calls out demons. He feeds people with miracles. He, mm-hmm. how How is it that he can speak the forgiveness of God and then he, he he pairs that, I think, that authority with suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells us that to follow him and to, to save our lives actually means to lose them. To lose them. Yeah. Yeah, he calls people to almost not partner with him, but yeah, if you're going to be my disciple, it's actually going to mean that you also are going to suffer or have to set yourself aside, you know, like he did. And isn't that even counter to the way that many of us as people of faith mm-hmm. understand what it means to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. I think we want to believe that to take up the cross and follow Jesus is to say, yes, I believe, and then to have a fairy tale sort of life. Mm-hmm. And then when we live that out, we realize that that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, it is living a life uh, definitely counterculturally and... And and thinking about, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this passage is almost the crux of the, the Christian life. You know, mm-hmm. it's that that denying yourself, dying to yourself, um, taking up your cross, not and trying to discern. Well, what is of what is of me, and what is of God? You know, mm-hmm. what is He calling me to? And that can be a really painful and and really unclear process at times. Um, yeah, that's not always plain. No. So how do we figure that out? That's a good question. 
Mm-hmm. Lots of prayer, mm-hmm. lots of discernment. And I think lots of how do Jesus' disciples figure it out? Well, they figure it out in conversation with one another and with Jesus. Yeah. They talk about these things. And I think we have to have those people in our life that yeah. help us to seek wisdom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And paying attention to your experiences. Yeah. You know. They teach us. Yep. Yep. So then there's this moment um, where they go up on this mountain and all of a sudden Jesus is dazzling white. I I always remember this story because I was serving at a church when I was a I- intern and one of the things we did was we told this story to the kids during uh, at that church they had like a, a children's sermon uh-huh. but we turned all the lights out and we had one of our pastors wrapped up in christmas lights and he was playing <laughs> jesus and we read the story and then when that happened we plugged him in that's awesome <laughs> and he brightened right up <laughs> right. it was pretty fun that's great uh, and so the kids hopefully remember that too yeah. but so what's happening here i mean there's something going on yeah yeah i mean it's amazing that you know jesus brings them these two guys up there on this mountain, you know, and they're having this, this, this time together. And then all of a sudden Elijah and, the Mo- and Moses, they appear and they're talking with Jesus. And I think it's important to note, you know, Elijah's kind of the, when they thought of Elijah, they thought about the prophets, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the great string of prophets that there mm-hmm. that there are down through the history mm-hmm. of their people. And Moses is sort of the pillar of the law. Mm-hmm. You know, he he went up the mountain, um, came down radiant, uh, and he brought the the Ten Commandments, the law, to them. And so these two guys are just um, you know pillars of their their faith, their tradition. So um, would have been really important. Memorable. And so Moses had this mountaintop experience mm-hmm. where where he glowed yeah. when he came down from yeah. being in the presence mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is doing more than just glowing. Yeah. And I think it's telling us something. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Moses was reflecting God's glory. Uh, but Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, it says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. So, and the exact representation um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think this is really telling that, you know, he's he's shining brighter than any launderer could bleach it, you know. And and so it's almost like um, these men get a glimpse, like almost like the flesh is almost <laughs> that's, that's a gross thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like God is revealing like, no, this is actually mm-hmm. God with skin on, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's it's revealing even more about Jesus and his authority. Uh, and then, you know, when God speaks over him and says, this is my son whom I love, uh, you need to listen to him. It's like, yeah, this this authority is spoken over Jesus yet again. Um, but they know more about him now. So the, that's a repetition of the mm-hmm. words from Jesus' baptism. Yeah. Where if you, we, we talked about this in a, a previous episode, but, Go back to chapter one of Mark. When Jesus comes out of the water, uh, heaven was torn open and the spirit of God descended like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said those same words, slightly different. You are my son with whom whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Uh, that's almost like 
it's being spoken to Jesus mm-hmm. for people to hear. Mm-hmm. These words are now directed at Peter, James, and John. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Listen to him. Yep. What does it mean to listen to him? That's a good question. I do kind of like, uh, you know, that it's almost like that voice interrupts Peter saying like, hey, let's build a tent <laughs> yeah. for him yeah. and build a tent yeah. for him and we'll get you guys all, you know, taken care of. And it's almost like God interrupts him and just says, listen, this is, this is my son. I love him. You need to stop doing so much talking and you need to listen to him. And I think that's pretty consistent with Peter's character. You know, he seemed like the guy who spoke first and thought later and, um, and God is just interrupting and saying, no, wait, you just need to listen. Yeah. So that what Peter just wants to stay here. Yeah. Why? Well, because he's in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. This is the culmination of life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's a restoration of what was lost in the garden, the mm-hmm. presence of God in such a direct way. And Peter realizes that, I think. He gets, sort of gets it, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't really get it. He gets the authority of Jesus that, oh, yeah. this is God. He doesn't get the suffering part. Yeah. Um, he knows in the back of his mind what Jesus has said. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of why he doesn't want to go down the mountain because he knows what's coming next. Or maybe he just is so elated that he wants to stay there. It's kind of like he wants to be on on team Jesus that has authority, but not necessarily right. the suffering. And who can blame him? You know, I, I don't know anybody who is kind of like, yeah, sign me up for the suffering part. That sounds fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not, I, I think you're right. Um, so they, they, they walk down the mountain. They mm-hmm. go back down. Um, and then they have this conversation about Elijah. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about Elijah um, in so many ways. John the Baptist is the figure of Elijah mm-hmm. in Mark's gospel. And Jesus he doesn't say that directly, but basically he does. Yep. And so he's saying that things are in motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now on the way to the cross. And, you know, we're about must be about halfway Mark's gospel now. Yeah, 16 chapters. And so, you know, chapter 9, here we are. We now know. We know who Jesus is. We know where he's going. We know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And now we see it unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think Peter, <laughs> later, Yeah. you know, Peter denies Jesus, Peter eventually becomes the one who the church is built mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there, does Peter progress? Yeah. I think, I don't even know if that's the word. Yeah. I think Peter's transformed. Yeah. You know, after, I mean, we could recount all the things Peter, you know, Peter was the guy who walked on water mm-hmm. and, and um, he's also the guy that denied Jesus three times. You know, mm-hmm. he is also the one that Jesus restored on the shore after he was raised from the dead, you know, mm-hmm. and said, feed my sheep. And mm-hmm. um, and then Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two and then preaches this monster sermon and 3000 people come to faith, you know. Yeah. So I think Peter is definitely transformed. But I, I think that this experience on the mountaintop 
um, was something he probably reflected back on. And maybe, I'm sure he knew it was significant at the time it was happening, but as he reflected, I'm sure that um, it became weightier the longer he lived with it. You know, he writes about it in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 18 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we were told about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he's referring to this mountaintop Mm -hmm. experience. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So I think he... You know, Peter just reflected on that over and over again, um, that this life that they're now living beyond the cross, beyond the resurrection, is a life that they're living empowered by the Holy Spirit um, through Jesus. And, uh, and it's, you know, he's not the same person. And it wasn't something he came up with on his own. He's just, he's living it. I'm encouraged by Jesus. Uh, Peter, Peter knew the right answer. When Jesus mm-hmm. said, who do you say that I am? Yep. But it, it's almost like it took him a lifetime to figure out what that yeah. meant. And I think that's where so many of us are. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it, in our heads and maybe in our hearts, we know who Jesus is. But it takes our life mm-hmm. and the experience of life to really know. Yeah. To really figure out the depth of who Jesus is. Yeah. We'll keep figuring it out. Yeah, that's the adventure. That's the that's the exciting part of the of the journey, you know. And it's not always, um, it's not always on the mountaintop no. that we figure that out. It's no. it's when we come down off the mountaintop and we're in the valleys, even that we yep. continue to figure it out. And God just continues to draw us in and reveal Himself to us. So keep wrestling, mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. Keep wrestling. We're going to keep doing it here. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with our podcast, the best way to do that is to like and to subscribe so that you're notified when those new episodes come out and you can keep on listening. I invite you to share that with the, the people you know in your circle. We'll continue our journey through Mark's gospel account next week. If you have questions about Hope Lutheran Church, visit us on our website at Fargo Hope. Dot org. And in the meantime, till we see you back, stay deeply rooted.